You're listening to episode 566 of the Juicebox Podcast. Vicki is a diabetes care and education specialist. She's also the mother of a child with type 1 diabetes. Today, she comes on the show in an attempt to tell us about moving to that career. I say an attempt because, you know, I'm going to think of a bunch of questions and then, I mean, who knows what we end up really talking about, but that's not the point. You're going to love the conversation, so don't be so judgmental. Nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast. Please remember this. Please, please that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. You do not have to consult a physician to follow me on TikTok at Juicebox Podcast, on Instagram at Juicebox Podcast, the private Facebook group that's called Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. You don't have to ask a physician before you take the T1D survey at t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. These things are all... Those are free will things. You can just do that. All right. Uh, it was ham-fisted. I, I don't know what to tell you. It's Sunday night. I'm doing a bunch of ads, and uh, I'm a little uh, I'm a little woozy. I'm not going to lie to you. But don't worry. When I recorded the episode, Sharp as Attack. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. Learn more at contournext.com forward slash juice box. You're also sponsored. We are also sponsored. Who's we? We are also sponsored today. We, it's me. I do the whole thing. I do the booking, the scheduling, the editing, uh, the social media. And then I say we, as if there's some grand group of people over here. I guess I can't say I. I'm sponsored today. I mean, I could, but that sounds terrible, right? That doesn't sound it's like me, me, me. The whole thing's about me. <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. So. Oh, how about this? The podcast is also sponsored today by Touched by Type 1. Go to touchedbytype1.org forward slash juicebox to learn more about them and to see if they've got tickets to their big dance extravaganza that's coming up, which I bet they do. So go look. Touchedbytype1.org. Fidget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you ever, I'm sure you had, I'm recording by the way, but I'm sure you haven't read this, but there's a book about hitting a baseball that says something to the effect of, if I tell you, if I say, Vicky, no matter what you do, the next thing you do should not be imagine a pink elephant with purple dots on it. Your brain immediately conjures a picture of a pink elephant with purple <laughs> dots on it. So that's why they tell you in sports, not the, like you don't tell a kid, you know, don't strike out. You tell them to hit the ball, the, like real yeah. little ideas like that, because your brain manifests things. Anyway, um, don't fidget. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, the luck. Don't fidget. <laughs> I don't, do you, do you, have, do you, have, oh, you know what? Go ahead. Introduce yourself first. Okay. Um, my name is Vicki. I am a um, certified diabetes educator or a, um, now a diabetes care and education specialist. I'm a nurse. Um, and a parent to three boys, including one um, 10-year-old boy with type 1 diabetes. Okay. So my, my question I was going to ask you is, do any of those boys play baseball? They do not. Okay. They um, are not particularly athletic. They've just not <laughs> ever enjoyed it or excelled at it. And so I have to coerce um, physical activity out of them. <laughs> They're not particularly athletic. I got gotcha. you. Um, <laughs> the, the reason I, I said, because I'm going to have to leave in what I said at the beginning, 
Because if you ever notice with a man on third in a child's baseball game, the coach feels uh, encumbered and they have to walk out to the pitcher and say, okay, now look, we got a man on third here. Just make a good pitch. And inevitably, the next pitch is in the dirt, bounces behind the catcher, and the man on third walks home. It's almost like you're taking time to point out to the pitcher, hey, don't forget the guy on third who you're trying desperately not to let score. And it, it just it makes it happen. I, I'm telling you, it's a it's the biggest mistake a youth or a coach could make. So that's from me to anybody listening who coaches kids playing baseball. Don't okay. don't remind them there's a man on third. Make a good pitch because you might as well just tell them roll the ball up there. <laughs> anyway, that, that's a lot of words you don't know because your kids don't play sports. <laughs> right. I knew it was labor intensive baseball in particular that it was several nights a week. So I never really encouraged it. That seemed like a lot of work on my part. <laughs> yeah, I've said it here before, but we actively made sure my son did not know what soccer was because my wife doesn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's smart. Yeah, uh, it's the greatest thing. I'll tell it in two seconds is that we were stopped at a red light and there was a men's league at this park where hundreds of men were playing on like three or four fields. <laughs> my, my son's like, what are they doing? And my wife looks over, looks back. She goes, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> we just sat there quietly and drove away when the light turned green. That's so funny. <laughs> if you ever talk to her, she'll tell you about being drugged to soccer games for her sisters through her whole life. And um, it scarred her. She did not. Never again. She, she does not like soccer. Uh, anyway. So, Vicki, you yes. are on the show because I asked if somebody, tell me, remind me what I said. If someone had um, was a CDE or had recently become one, That's and so it. I was certified, it's been a little over a year now. I think at the time it, it had been just at a year or something like that. Yes, thank you. Um, I need other people in my life to remind me of what I mean and what I've said. It's, <laughs> it's incredibly handy, I have to tell you. Like uh, it's way better than having to remember for yourself. So my <laughs> my my reasoning behind that was that people ask about becoming CDEs. A lot of yes. nurses that listen and people mm -hmm. who are looking to educate themselves as an adult. And I thought we could walk through it. Now, my super okay. secret, like, you know, secret for myself wanting to do it is because I'm trying to make a whole bunch of juice box podcast thinking CDEs in the world. Uh, and then one day I'll take over the world. With yeah. I'll Good act plan. I'll yeah, activate same. them with the chip that Bill Gates put in your vaccine. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Well, march to victory. Anyway, that's a different thing. So when did you um, become a nurse? So I became a nurse in um, 2006. It was my second career. I was a teacher first. And then I got married and went to nursing school. Wow. So you were a teacher as a, as a younger single person? Yes. What made you switch careers, can I ask? Well, I had wanted to be a doctor. And then I <laughs> discovered beer in college and um, didn't study as I should have. Um, and teaching didn't require that GPA. <laughs> um, so I was a science teacher for four years and um, just always knew I wanted to be in medicine. And so when I got married, I had someone that could support me while I went back to school. So now, Vicki, I have children who are almost through the education system as far as at least high school goes. But are you trying to scare the living hell out of all the young parents in the world? <laughs> <laughs> no, we can edit that part out. I just. Um, no, no, just we're leaving it in. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> we're not editing anything out, Vicki. Be careful when you're talking, okay? No, it just. Um, high school was so easy and college. Um, I went to Georgia Tech. And so 
it was very humbling. And um, my grades suffered because I didn't realize I was going to have to put a whole lot more effort into it. And then I just decided it was way more fun to not put effort into it. <laughs> and so it's not your, it wasn't your intellect because you went back around and did it again. Was it maturity? It may have been. Yeah. yeah. It was the first, you know, I was pretty sheltered, I guess. And um, away from home and private high more school social than I'd ever been. No, it was a public school. No, no. Um, you, your, your high school was, was public. No, no. That, yes. Yes. Sorry. Okay, yeah. Okay. That was public. Um, I just um, was kind of a homebody and um, didn't go out much and gotcha. college was different. I found my people, you know how you, I feel like sometimes high school wasn't great, but college, I found people I connected with more and had more fun. And Gotcha. W- would you have been a, a more social person in high school? Do you think if you met more people that you jived with or do you? Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's funny. This is maybe you're, you're like, I've listened to this podcast enough to know that we're never going to talk about how I became a CD, <laughs> but don't worry. We will. Um, okay. I'm just fascinated because I've seen a number of people come out of the private high school system with these mm-hmm. great grades and then they get to college and they go, Oh, I don't think I'm as smart as I thought I was. Uh, but sometimes their grades are bolstered by the private high school's desire for their parents uh, to keep paying for private okay. high school. Right, right, right. Um, you know what I mean? I I was, that was the case. Yeah, um, no, it doesn't sound like it because once you yeah. went back and did it, you were fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, oh no, I probably shouldn't mention the other school. I feel like the other school that I got my, um, my nursing degree from was, it was just very different. Um, and honestly, I found those classes way more enjoyable, the atmosphere more enjoyable. Um, Georgia tech is, it's an engineering school and it's, um, it's just very um, rigorous, I guess. Gotcha. No, it's fine. I, I, I'm interested to understand. So, okay, so you were a teacher. Um, so everybody, now when you go back, back to school night, uh, just look that person in the face and think, I wonder if they're here because they want to be or because they drank too much <laughs> beer to become a nurse. Or because they just kind of uh, yeah. uh, This teacher was formed by Michelob. Uh, and- <laughs> <laughs> it was Miller Lite. Oh, it was Miller- Miller Lite. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I didn't expect to have this much fun. Um, so, okay, so you go back to nursing to, and then what kind of nursing do you do, and for how long do you do it? Okay, so I my first nursing job was on a step down cardiac floor, and so I dealt with patients with um, heart failure, um, patients a um, couple of days post um, heart attack, um, people that had had um, angioplasty, um, had a stent placed. Um, so I did that for how many years, about five years. And then when, um, my twins, so I have three boys, the oldest is 13, the younger, younger two are 10, Mm -hmm. 10 year old twins. And when they were born, um, it was too much work to go to work. If that makes sense. Like, um, their dad did the best he could, but I felt like I had to spend four more hours when I got home after a 12 hour shift to clean up the mess he made to be ready for the next day. And so, um, I just stayed home for, um, until they went to preschool. So about two and a half years after that. Okay. Um, not this has anything to do with anything, but was your husband really messy or are you just type a, and you didn't like it not being the way you wanted it? (laughs) He, well, he's my ex-husband now. Um, he is very messy. Yes. It, um, 
And so now he's in his own house down the street and he can be as messy as he wants with the maid once a week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I don't have to deal with that. My house stays clean for days. It's amazing. Um, we figured yeah, out what's wrong with the house. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. So 13 and two tens are the two yeah. tens and everybody's a boy. What, what yeah. age was your child diagnosed at? He was diagnosed while we were on vacation um, at five. Um, he had started kindergarten that year. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, okay. that was, um, what does that make it? It'll be five years in September. Five years in September. So like it's 2021. <laughs> so then I go back to like, it's like 1995, 96, 96. Wait, what? What I just When said. he was diagnosed? Yeah. Oh, no. I don't no, mean, I mean 2006. 2016. Yeah. I, I took 10 extra years out. <laughs> I was like, what kind of math are you doing? Well, the kind they taught me in middle school. <laughs> the last time I paid attention to it. Um, sorry, uh, 2006. 2016, 2016 is when he was diagnosed. Okay. Um, and when did you become a nurse? I became a nurse in 2006. So I had been a nurse for 10 years, for 10 but years. I hadn't, I guess I had been back to work a year and a half before he was diagnosed, something like that. Okay. Or two years, something like that. What was the diagnosis process like in your house? Did you. Were you, you were there the entire time it was on you mostly? When, before he was diagnosed or right after? I'm sorry. When he was diagnosed, was it something that was kind of handled by the whole family or did it fall mostly to you? How did that go in the beginning? It was, um, so he had just started kindergarten and he started, um, a couple of months into it, started wetting the bed again. And, um, I thought it was just being in kindergarten schedule was different, um, we have fall break here in Georgia and um, we had gone to visit my aunt in Destin, Florida. And um, while we were getting ready to go to the beach, I noticed um, I got him all some ice water. He drank his in about 20 seconds and then asked for more. And then he had to go to the bathroom and he asked to go to the bathroom like three more times the next hour. And it was the first time I'd had a chance to really sit down with that information. I was like at the beach with my boys and he was being super fussy. And usually he's like my most easygoing child. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just looked at it and I was like, oh my goodness, that those are the totally the um, symptoms of type one diabetes, which in my mind, that was like a inherited thing. I guess I didn't know enough specifically. I just knew the signs, um, right. but I texted their dad. Um, we were still married at the time. And, um, told him that I was like, I'm probably being crazy, but call the pediatrician. He's got all these symptoms. Um, just find out what they say, make an appointment. And so he made an appointment for like the next week. Cause in my mind, it wasn't an emergency. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, um, as the day goes by, I'm just thinking more about it. He's getting crabbier and crabbier. And we're staying with my aunt who is a vet. And so I asked her if, um, she could check his urine. And it's the same dipstick they use for cats that for humans. So we went to her office and she was like, I was, I was praying it was a UTI. Mm. And she said, there's no bacteria, but it's, what is it? Four plus um, glucose. And I was like, well, Mm. what else could that be? Cause surely it's still not diabetes. Um, But I I try to talk myself out of doing anything about it until the next day or until we got home. And then finally we're like, no, we're going to the urgent care or no to the, emergency room and then they had to take us by 
ambulance to the children's hospital. And luckily my niece was with us and she could take my other two boys and watch them. Um, so anyway, we went to Pensacola children's hospital, I believe. And, um, I had to call their dad and he had to jump in the car and drive there. And it was just a, a whirlwind of education and, um, insanity insanity yeah and we were out of state so um they couldn't make us an appointment with an endo um in georgia and that was a big struggle too because when i called them when i got back into town on on monday or whatever they were like we can see you in december and it was like september (laughs) when he got diagnosed and i was like he's five years old (laughs) um hey we thought he had distemper but it turns out this is diabetes so (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna need to see him a little sooner please yeah (laughs) isn't that fascinating Um, when you're talking to the scheduler i know they don't know all the time right because it is really what you're doing you're talking to a scheduling nurse but they should still kind of know and you're telling them your five-year-old has type 1 diabetes they were diagnosed out of state and they're like oh that's no problem can you come in three months from now (laughs) for real and i'm like no so we were about to go to the emergency room and just get admitted that way um because you know they put you on i think he was on like five units of levomir and was going low every single night yeah and we had no idea what a honeymoon period was or any of those things um we just know we were just constantly feeding the insulin that they were on he has to have 45 grams of carbs per meal and he has to take these five units of insulin. Um, so I posted on Facebook and um, several of my Facebook friends had suggested um, Camp Kudzu, which is a camp for children with type 1 diabetes. And coincidentally, their fall family camping was the next weekend. So we went and we met an endo there who gave us a, you know, a, a number to get in like the next week. So it was awesome. It was meant to be. <laughs> Did you wander around that camp just looking for anybody to help you at all? Yes, please. We're like, come on. <laughs> um, like written on you... a piece of cardboard. You're like, recently diagnosed. <laughs> no one will help us. Yes, please help. <laughs> they um they had you raise your hand, like who was the most recently diagnosed, and we of course won because it had been like three days. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, we got to talk to the doctor, and he um gave us a, a number to call to get scheduled right away, and they fit us in. So that was great. That's fascinating. But it was still um. Oh, it was traumatic. <laughs> no, I mean, aside from that, it's just like now in hindsight, right? It's fascinating that that's what happened. Like, for, I know, you know, it just imagine yeah. if somebody said to you now, like, hey, I think you have, I don't know, cancer. Can you come back in three months and we'll check to be yeah. sure? We'll just see. Yeah, we'll find. I mean, is your heart in arrhythmia? Mm, try not to run up the steps too fast till we can get you in here. Such an interesting like response from medical people. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really fascinating. Uh, okay, so I uh, started off with injections. You said this sounds like there was a bit of a honeymoon period. Um, yes. What were the what were your findings over the first like six months? Was it completely overwhelming? Is he alive by luck? Did you start figuring it out? Did your nursing get in the way or help? I think it did. I found I had no idea how insulin worked. I thought somehow it was magic. And it just knew what it was supposed to do. It would do what it needed to do. Um, And that's something I've learned in my professional experience since is that it absolutely is not magic. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I heard a doctor say this once that insulin works until it's done. It's not smart. It works until it's done. And so that's what I have said almost every day of my career since is you have to be the smart one. 
you're the brain behind the operation. Um, and it, it took several months to kind of get a better understanding of that. Um, they pulled way back and he was off long acting um, for several months and just did a tiny bit of um, the, the rapid acting with meals. Around meals. Um, How much did he weigh when he was diagnosed? Uh, like 40 something, 44, 44. Did he put, did he yeah. put weight on after he was diagnosed? Uh, you know, I don't think he had um, had it very long. I looked at pictures mm-hmm. and I think I caught it pretty early. I like to think I did because um, I don't remember him being um, particularly thin, yeah. um, but he used to be taller than his twin and they are not identical, but he used to be taller than his twin and his twin shot up. And honestly, this may have happened anyway, but um, his twin has now been bigger ever since. <laughs> it's possible we're going to call this episode diabetes made me short. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> have you had his thyroid checked? But prior to that, um, we have since, yes. So yeah. his dad has both celiac and hypothyroidism. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, they're, I mean, I think they would have been checking for those things anyway, but. One day, a long oh. time ago, a young Vicky met a man who gave her a messy house and a kid with diabetes. <laughs> I know, for real. <laughs> <laughs> um, the reason I asked is because Arden was the smallest person in her school for, uh, of the girls. For a really, uh-huh. really long time. And then she got, I guess we should probably like do a whole episode about this at some point, but she got, um, I mean, like we thought she was dying. Like she'd come home from school and lay her head on the countertop like yeah. she'd, and she'd fall asleep like face down on a countertop. Uh-huh. And um, she was just wrecked. And we eventually were like, okay, maybe this is her thyroid. And we got it checked and, you know, her labs were you know, in range, I'm making air quotes. Um, and the, and the, and the, you know, the hospital's like, well, we're, she's in range. We don't usually treat this. And I was like, oh, you're just going to treat it. And so, um, (laughs) so they gave her medicine and she stood right back up again. Uh, and then she, and now today Arden is five, seven and and she's one of the tallest girls in her high school. Holy caught up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's not shorter than, um, I mean, he's still a good sized kid. He's just smaller than his brother. Right. Um, his um, his dad and I are fairly tall, and so um, <laughs> short know. compared to you guys, maybe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Arden talks about that. She's like, when I'm with my friends or at school, I feel like a giant. And as soon as I come home, even though we're not incredibly tall people, we are all taller than her. She's like, I feel short in the house. So, uh, <laughs> but but my point is, is that if you get that test, and you know he's got a TSH of like two point one. Don't mm-hmm. let don't let them tell you that's in range. That's that's, it. that's okay. it's coming is what that is. Okay. All right. Yeah, and he gets his labs again this summer. We just went to the end of today actually. So next set next appointment is the um the yearly lab. So I will um yeah, pay more attention. That, that mm-hmm. episode that I did with Dr. Benito about thyroid is it's absolutely like comprehensive and she will treat anything like anything over 2. Like so, yeah. Well, I'm going to make sure his dad listens to that because honestly, I I have not been invested in how well he manages his own. So, (laughs) well, well, you know, it's interesting too. Not that I'm trying to get you guys back together. I'm not doing that. (laughs) But um, you know, when you're unregulated hypothyroid or Hashimoto's, you can be Uh a bit of a jackass, and (laughs) it's hard to not saying your husband was. Maybe listen. Maybe this is all your fault. I don't know. I'm just saying that. I'm just saying that. Um, it really alters who you are, 
Okay. And it's not, it's not, it's not in any way seen by the person it's happening to. Like they don't know they're being jerky. Okay. Or short tempered or unreasonable. Um, I, I like to tell people privately, I don't think I've ever said it here, but, um, we couldn't get a doctor to give my wife thyroid medication for seven years and it really like ravaged her. Um, and she was always in range, but you know, they'd be like, oh, you're in range. And finally I threatened a doctor and I was just like, look, just give, I said, is the medicine going to hurt her if you're wrong? And he said, no. And I'm like, well, then just give it to her. And I said, uh, because I've already dug a hole on our property to put her into. So, um, and <laughs> because I'm going to snap and kill her one day because she's really unreasonable sometimes. And so like, we're all laughing, like, you know, like a bunch of married people laughing in a room and, um, and I'm like, but seriously, give it to her. And I would say that within a week, she turned back into the person that I remembered. It was really. Oh, that's amazing. That quick. Yeah, it was very fast. Um, so it's, wor- it's worth it's worth looking into. And even if you're being medicated, you might not be being medicated enough. And, and the difference between just your GP giving you Synthroid and a doctor who really understands thyroid function and can look at those labs and say, we are not medicating the number. We are medicating the symptoms. Until mm-hmm. that, until you find somebody that'll do that, you don't know where you're at. So that's my advice about thyroid. All right. Good luck. You, <laughs> wouldn't that be sh- if he like turned back into like some great guy and you're like, damn it. <laughs> well, no, there are. I'm just kidding. Know. Don't tell me about your life. I don't care. <laughs> We're not getting into that one. Yeah, I'm not trying to do that. I want to find out how to be a CDE. So. Um, at what point do you say, and it's not a CDE anymore, I know, but you're not going to get me to say the other thing. So we should, you, you say it when it's your turn. Um, okay. when did Honestly, you... I might get it wrong because they changed it like a month after I took the test. Oh, okay. W- at what point did you say to yourself, I'm going to do this? I'm going to keep going with what I did in episode 565, which is read to you from the private Facebook group what people had to say about the advertisers. So today we're going to talk about the Contour Next One blood glucose meter, which you can learn more about at contournext.com forward slash juicebox. Jess says she loves it because it's inexpensive and it's super accurate. She says, I love how cheap the Contour Next One is for being so accurate. She got a couple of them. So she keeps one upstairs by the bed, downstairs, and one in her purse. Gives her one less thing to think about because she knows she has a contour next one nearby. Wendy says that the second chance test strips are her far, are her fervor, are her favorite part about the contour next one. It's fantastic, she said. If the first drop isn't enough, you get to do it over again without needing a new strip. Angie keeps it Angie keeps it simple. She says contour next one. Small, simple to use, accurate. Julia says the accuracy is amazing. I have two of them. So if I'm ever concerned that my other gear isn't right or stuff is disagreeing, I pull out that meter and give it a look. I like what Jonathan says here. Contour next one. I've used it for a long time and it just works. So that's a little bit from some of the listeners. Here's some from me. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Amazing website, explains everything. You may be eligible for a free meter. Uh, there's a test strip savings program that you could be eligible for. The Contour Next One may be cheaper in cash than you're paying for a different meter through your insurance. I know that's hard to wrap your head around. Um, it's great. 
It's small, it's easy to use, easy to hold, easy to transport, bright light for nighttime viewing, second chance test strips. It's the best damn blood glucose meter I've ever used. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Now let's move over to Touched by Type 1. Amanda says, my daughter virtually attends a Touched by Type 1 dance class. She loves that everyone in the class is just like her and smiles whenever she hears anyone else beeping. There's some other stuff here about Touched by Type 1 from listeners, but I actually have to tell you about their Dancing for Diabetes extravaganza, which is coming up pretty darn soon. All right, you can see this yourself if you head over to touchedbytype1.org, but go to their programs tab and you'll see there that the 21st annual Dancing for Diabetes Showcase, which features award-winning dancers and raises funds to support those touched by type 1 diabetes, is happening on November 13th, 2021 at 7 p.m. in the Dr. Phillips Center for the Performing Arts. Tickets begin at $15 and are on sale right now. I see a button. It says, get your tickets. Watch what happens if I click on it. Oh, I can buy tickets. That's Perfect. That's exactly how that's supposed to work. Touchedbytype1.org. Go to the Programs tab. Get your tickets. Where is this at, you're asking? It's in the Walt Disney Theater. The Walt Disney Theater. I think it's probably named after Walt Disney, if I'm guessing. Oh, look at how nice the theater is. There's a picture here. I'll be damned. Walt Disney Theater, Orlando, Florida. Hey, if you're local, head over and check out Dancing for Diabetes, presented by Touchedbytype1. Touchedbytype1.org. Oh, don't forget contournext.com forward slash juicebox. Links in the show notes, links at juiceboxpodcast.com. Support the sponsors, support the show. I kind of just lucked into it. So after I went back to work, when my twins went to preschool, I worked in a call center, still as a nurse, but um, no longer at the bedside, um, like in a hospital. Mm -hmm. So I um, was working for a department um, called Population Health, and our health system um, created it to help support our um, Medicare population. So I was making phone calls to them. after a hospital stay to try to make sure they could get their medication. They had transportation, they understood their disease and um, weren't going to go back to the hospital as a result of what brought them there in the first place. So um, I was doing that and just peer in, which is um, like a healthcare term for as needed. I was just filling in when my kids were at preschool or I had childcare. Um, there was somebody on my team that was diabetes specific and only focused on diabetes, on the Medicare patients on our list who had diabetes. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I kind of would would talk to that person all the time. And then as I learned more and more after Theo was diagnosed, his name is Theo, (laughs) um, um, that person started asking me questions. Like it was interesting. Um, So um, that person who had the role prior to me became pregnant and decided, um, to quit. So that job was open. And so it was announced by my manager to the team that this role was open. She wanted to see if we had any internal candidates. And, um, I reached out and I was like, well, I talked to my then husband and asked him how he felt about me going full time. And he was like, I think that's a great idea. Um, 
And I emailed my manager and within like two minutes, she was like, oh yes, you'd be my first choice. Can we talk right now? And so she was super excited about it. Um, and then I was super excited about it. Um, it was actually a friend at work that had said, you should do this. Cause before that I was like, I don't work full time. I just take care of my boys mostly. Um, so anyways, this friend that really pushed me into doing it. Um, but she told me as part of the role, they wanted me to become a CDE. Okay. And so I really lucked out because it is hard. Um, it's a challenge to get that number of hours you need to be able to test for it. So you not only have to be certified or um, licensed in a particular discipline, you also have to have the experience. So, And that's hours just, at your job. Like, So you need them to put you with diabetes patients over and yes. over and over. How many hours do you need? I forget the number. A thousand, Thousands, right? Yeah, Jesus. And um, the majority of it had to be within the last um, calendar year, I think. I, they may have changed things a little bit due to COVID, mm-hmm. but most of it had to be fairly re- recent. All of it had to be within five years, and most of it, I think, within the last twelve months. Hmm. Um, so I was diabetes specific, so that is all I did. But even you know, forty hours a week, um, which you can't really count every hour. Right. I mean, you don't count. You chart where you're, when you're with actual and, people. Yeah. Right. Um, so I did keep careful records. Um, I was audited. Um, I have another coworker that tested at the same time and she did not keep the same records. Um, she was not audited. And then luckily, oh my goodness, I was um, not luckily. Um, I was audited. So um, I had to turn in my um, log time. But you had good, you had good specific records and that Yes. Yes. So that was the lucky part was that I had been keeping careful records um, and with no patient information, but just like, I don't know, I made up a number and would say what date and how much time I had spent with each of them um, doing diabetes specific education. I think I could turn in the podcast. I might be able to get through that. I think you could. I think you could. If you have, they're really um, particular about the disciplines. They're expanding that a little bit. I think maybe like personal trainers can get it now and health coaches and social workers. And, um, they've kind of expanded who's able to get it, um, what disciplines they'll allow. But, um, most people in my experience have been either a nurse or a dietitian. Yeah. I don't really want to do that. I was just being, I was just saying, I've <laughs> it's really, there's yeah. not a lot of glory in it. <laughs> I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people with diabetes. I might be able to get to a thousand hours. I'm thinking, um, what, oh, I, tell, tell me so. again, what year that was that you, that whole decision was made. Um, so that's a really good question. Um, I think it took me, when was that? I'm looking for like the day they were like, who wants this job? And you're like, I'll do it. (laughs) I think it, it was three years when I took the time, the job full time. So I think I decided that in like January of, um, what was three years ago? 2018. 2018. So your son, your son had had diabetes for a couple of years at that point. Yeah, a little okay. over a year at that point. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. So how much of what you were experiencing having a child with diabetes is what's my question? Um how much of it did you see in the actual training, I guess? Well, that that was something that I thought quite a lot about. Um so most of the training I think is geared toward patients with type two diabetes, um, 95% of people with diabetes have type two. Um, and then they always err on the side of caution. So it's whatever they can, you can't really make a hard and fast rule that'll apply to everybody. So, um, 
a lot of what I've learned um, kind of hindered me a little in studying. And I kind of had to have two different sides to my brain, like what, you know, the ADA recommends and what I'm actually going to do with my child. Like, cause they're, um, they have to be very conservative because not everyone is paying attention. Um, even me, like I've been, I have a, a new job now and I don't have that same flexibility where I can look at his Dexcom every 10 minutes to see what's going on. Um, I kind of have to trust that, that he and the school nurse are doing what they're supposed to be doing. So, um, I want things, there's not as much bumping and nudging, um, lately. Um, so it, it is, um, it's very different. So there's what works and there's what you need to know to pass the test. Basically. Yes. Okay. And, but a lot of the test was, um, I think kind of subjective, like what would you do in this situation? You have to figure out what is the most important thing for the patient. And there's, you have to put on like a social worker hat for a minute and be like, well, what can they afford? What can they realistically accomplish? Like, what can you, um, like safely, you know, mm-hmm. um, cause not everybody has the same home life. Not everybody has the same resources. We are all coming from a different place. So, um, Plain English, do you have to assess people's intelligence? Yes. And their ability to understand what you're saying? Yes, very much. Because um, I think I talked to, so most of the patients in my former job had type two, but some had type one and some had had it for a long time. And they wouldn't have been on my list had it been well managed. Um, I only got people with A1Cs over nine for most of the time I did this. Um, So they were um, not very well controlled, not tightly controlled. Um, and one of them flat out asked me, um, how often does your son go to the emergency room for, um, high or low blood sugars? And I was like, well, he's never been since diagnosis. I've never had to take him for that. I mean, he's had to go for a stomach bug now, but, um, when he was diagnosed, I was convinced we were going to be there all the time. My, my ex had actually moved out and he moved back in just because we thought one of us was always going to have to be at the doctor with him. (laughs) Um, Anyway, you know, I met a, a child once one, at one of my speaking engagements and the emergency room was a regular part of their monthly diabetes plan. Oh, like they knew they were going to be in the emergency room multiple times a month. And I was I was absolutely fascinated by it. And two parents who were trying really hard and um, seemed to have. Yeah, it's not for lack of effort. Yeah. Um, and I felt or not always. <laughs> well, yeah. And there are some people, right, who are just like, I don't care. I'm not going to take care of myself. Like, that's with anything, I would imagine, mm-hmm. not just diabetes. Um, but I'm still fascinated about the idea that it's such a it's such a bureaucrat, uh, bureaucratic feeling, like that idea of like, you know, there's what you need to get through the test. And then there's mm-hmm. what you could actually help people with. And these two things do not have to exactly correspond with each other is yeah i mean but but i get it i mean it's not going to work for everyone and Mm -hmm. not everyone has the time or inclination to manage it that closely and they don't have two separate tests for type one and type two so um i i kind of understand how it's set up the way it is So, so then what happens do people get do people get through the examination become an educator and then either become like a by the book, this is my job and this is what I'm supposed to say to you person, or there are some CDEs who take the time to explain the intricacies. Is it just, does that then become personal preference or personality? I think so. And you got to do what your employer allows you to do. So, um, 
you can't say too much even if you want to in certain Correct. situations. Correct. <laughs> gotcha. So you can be looking at somebody and the answer might be, hey, just pre-bolus, but the person you work for doesn't let you say that. And then you're stuck and you can't say it. Uh, well, that one I, I would push. But um, the whole concept of bumping and nudging that I've learned from your podcast, mm -hmm. um, I don't know. There's no way. But most of them are type two. And really, I'm like, I, another thing I always say is exercise is magic. It makes such a big difference, particularly with the type twos who are so insensitive to insulin. When you just get up and get a couple thousand steps a day, everything works the way it's supposed to. You know, it's funny um, when, when you hear people say that. First of all, you're 100 million percent correct. But think of the first thing <laughs> that you can think of that you can't get people to do generally. <laughs> it's exercise. And then right. we're like, oh, get now you have diabetes. You know what your answer is. I would just exercise if I was you. would be like, yeah, I haven't done it the first 37 years, but that's probably how I'm going <laughs> to handle it tomorrow. Thanks a lot. It's like it's like it's like saying that the answer to racism is telling people not to be racist. It's a very like it's you know what I mean? Like it's so simple that it would never work. <laughs> it, well, and you can't change the nature of people is what I'm saying is like, right. It's it's like. It's like when you, it's like, it's like you, if you were to meet somebody who was grossly overweight and you said to them, all you really need to do is eat better. Like, thanks. <laughs> oh. yeah, I didn't know that. I really thought these Cheetos were good for me. I, 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 I you've really straightened <laughs> me up. I appreciate your time. Like Thank it's, you. it's, it's one of those weird things that you're, people do things the way they do them. The answer to making it better can't be don't do the thing you do. I, I, I know that's, I mean, it's, it's the obvious answer. It's the right thing to be told. It's an unreasonable thing to expect somebody to just magically pop up and do one day. Exactly. Yeah. We, I tried to create small goals with them. Just, um, you know, add little five minute walks, get up during commercials. Um, so you're actually giving them little ideas that might trick them into doing things that are better for them because the, the truth is they're not just going to get up and be like, I'm going to walk two miles every day. Right. I'll be like, well, just walk to the mailbox today. <laughs> wow. It, it, it is. It is like that at some for some people like that. It is, unfortunately, yeah. especially I've worked with Medicare patients. So most of them were older mm -hmm. and um, a lot of them had, you know, knee problems, hip problems. So um, you work with what you got. I was like, even if you're just lifting soup cans, some amount of activity. And then for the type twos, um, usually they tell you um, 30 to 50 grams of carb per meal. Yeah. Um, you know, lower end if you're female, um, higher end if you're male and, or, you know, particularly active. Um, so it's different with type ones where we're, you know, doing carb ratios for, for type twos, you mostly, they have a fixed amount of insulin and we just try to eat the same amount of carbs basically. Yeah. So, um, my mom's in her like mid to late seventies and she was very active, like going to the gym right up mm -hmm. to, right up till covid and then as soon as covid hit and she became more sedentary hurry one c mm -hmm. started to go up oh and, yeah and, and so, oh yeah that activity and so then i just so i think she was kind of staving off a rise in her a1c just by being incredibly active like she'd get up in the morning go to the gym you know what i mean and then i finally said to her i was like all right well look you're gonna end up on medication you know, if, if this rolls around again in another quarter, when he tests your blood sugar again, I said, I would just go low carb if I was you. And she's waiting now to go back and hear, but it's, she lost weight with the low carb and I think it's going to work for, her. but it's specific. She lives in a small place. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like when you just said like lifting soup cans, like there's part of me that's like, Oh, that's brilliant. And there's part of me that thinks like, 
try to put myself in a 75-year-old person's mind and I'm trapped in a small apartment doing curls with some chunky, you know, like soup. And I'm and would you not sit there thinking like, oh my God, like what has become of my life? Is you, this my life? Yeah, you know, like like what's the point? Yeah, I would just be like, oh, maybe I'm done. You know, like I'm <laughs> what am I doing? I've already seen the prices right. I'm doing curls with soup cans. It might be time to go. And you know, I just what I'm being serious though is I'm saying like it must be difficult to hear things like just walk to the mailbox because they're not they're still people and they they're mm-hmm. not stupid they're like oh my god that's my life like that's going to be exercise my knee you know and like you said some people have real problems hips knees stuff mm-hmm. like that really is it's I mean it it's obviously the progression of life and it's not sad I mean like I guess I'd rather have a bum knee at seventy eight than not make it to seventy eight but it just it's a the the fact of all this. I feel like it gets overlooked sometimes. Like we're all so quick, you know, people listen to the podcast or even people who, you know, online who are, are very specifically managing. You don't realize like you're, you're the small percentage of people. Like most people are not bumping a one thirty blood sugar. You know, mo- most people are like, my blood sugar only went to one ninety today. I had such a great day. You know, that's how, of how right. it, it works for most people. Most people don't have glucose sensing technology. You know, they can't afford no. it. Um, if they had it, they might not know how to use it. And and the idea there is that you're looking for ways to help those people. And then somebody like you or me rolls in and I'm like, hey, my kid's A1C is 5'9". I really would like it to be 5'5". Five, five. Can you help me? The CD is probably like, what? <laughs> you're doing great. Shut up. Why would you want to change anything? Yeah. Leave me alone. You're my easy one. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I got told that today. The doctor was like, no, no. I've seen real problems. And I, I mean, I still feel like our control is n- nowhere near where I want it to be. But, um, you know, I have three kids. I work full time. I do the best I can. And my kid, he will ignore every single alarm. So if I'm not like sitting in front of the phone, like he could be high for who knows how long. And um, he won't tell me he's low until he's like in the 50s. So anyway, <laughs> I there are times I've walked into Arden's room and I go, you must hear the alarm. She goes, For real? and she'll go, my phone's not making any noise. And I'm like, are <laughs> you certain? don't hear it. Because I hear it from your room into my room. And, you know, and so then you're standing there looking at her. She's looking back and then her phone beeps and she goes, oh, it's starting to work now. And I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, but I don't think she's ignoring it. I don't think she, she hears doesn't. it. Yeah. yeah. I really don't. And I think she's 16 and you know what I mean? Like all that other stuff. Yeah. But you're right. Like people need help and help, you know, when, when, when I say people need help, like when kids need help, what they really need is a person who is willing to excise some part of their life out of their life and fill it back in with helping you with your diabetes. Like that has right. to be part of my job. Once it's part of my job, then I look and I pay attention. Like, you know, Arden grabbed a snack this morning during school and she like didn't do a great job with the bolus. And so I went in and I was like, hey, um, that's not working. And she's like, I did everything I was supposed to. And I was like, well, you didn't or just wouldn't have happened, you, you know? And, and so, um, but she doesn't see it that way. And she will eventually, like eventually she'll be through it enough and she'll care enough to see it. But for now, right. she's a kid. And she's like, look, man, I did, I counted the cars and I put the insulin in and I waited and this is what happened. And, and now, but now the point is now she's sort of like, so what are you going to do about it? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, because she's not 100% sure what to do after that sometimes. 
Yeah. You know, like the recorrecting. I think I think I think left on her own, Arden's A1C would probably be more like six seven, I'd be guessing. Six five, six seven on her own. Uh-huh. Uh, you know what I mean? Um I'm the other point and a quarter, basically. <laughs> That's where you come in. Yeah. I'm like I'm I'm like the guard that, you know, I don't really score much, but I, I play a little defense. So um anyway. <sighs> I, I don't want to, I don't know how to ask you this question. Okay. Is it a valuable endeavor doing what you do or does it feel fruitless? No, I think it's very valuable. Okay. Um, I, I feel like I was um, in the position to help a lot of people have a better understanding mm-hmm. of the importance of exercise, of how insulin works in their bodies, the importance of nutrition, um, I mean, it, it, it fell on deaf ears a lot. There are still people, um, plenty of patients that would just stop answering my calls. I think they felt like I was judging them if I, if I didn't like their blood sugars and I tried to be just, you know, this is a number, it's not a reflection of your character. It just gives me, you know, it's a point in time. It gives me an idea because I'm not there with you. Um, and, um, I, 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 I thought it, it was, it's been my favorite job. It's been the most rewarding job that I've had. Um, and I think I've, I've touched the most number of lives. I don't think I've saved everyone, but helpfully, you know, even all those studies they've done about tighter control gives you, you know, five more years of vision and however many more years of, of good kidney function. So I think it, it did make a big difference and oh. it had the potential for doing even more for a lot more people. So, um, I'm certain it, it was has. definitely rewarding. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm certain it has. I just wanted you to tell people I, to be yes. perfectly honest. Yes. If you would have said, no, I've wasted my time and I shouldn't have done this. I would have thought <laughs> I did not expect her to say that. Uh, I, I wanted you to tell people because this podcast makes CDE sometimes. So it is not uncommon for me to get a couple of notes a year from people who become CDEs because of the podcast. That's awesome. And which yeah, is very if you're cool. able to and can get those that experience, I mean, don't do it to be rich because that's not going to happen. But um, <laughs> that's not the reason you will. You have the potential to help a lot of people. It's, and it's, you know, most people that you will touch have type two diabetes. But you know what? They're the ones that are suffering the most. Mm-hmm. And you could go to um, like you could go to a children's hospital that and and work in their division just for like type one if you i mean if you could find a way into that that exists for some people right where you don't actually talk to yeah they have diabetes educators there of course yeah right but if you're just going to be one out in the wild you're going to see people mostly with type two yes right yes because that's what most are yes if if i said how many out of 10 cds would be what's my question how many out of 10 cds if i had type 1 diabetes how many out of a random sampling of cds would be valuable for me to have and how many (laughs) and how many of them and how do i know the difference if i'm the patient well i asked some really leading questions um so honestly it depends on what room you're in i think but very few um we switched endo practices um because Nobody wanted to try anything. Nobody was open to discussion. Um, and they didn't seem like they wanted to learn. They, um, and this was the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the nurse practitioner we saw, they just, we don't, we don't have any experience with that. I wanted to try the iPort for my son. We don't have any experience with that. 
And I'm like, well, can I find someone to come talk to you about it? Um, no, no, we're not going to do that. Um, and then finally we went to the pump earlier than I thought we were going to, because I just, um, I wasn't satisfied with the control we had with MDI. And, um, okay. um, so I don't know, one or two, it really, um, and, and all of them will have valuable things to say, but, um, some more helpful than others <laughs> because they are taught by the book and the book tells us, you know, X, Y, and Z, but we know in actuality, unless this person has used insulin or cared for someone who uses, it has to use, um, inject insulin. They just, they don't really understand how it works. Have you ever heard me say, if a doctor says no, you ask why? I haven't, no. but that makes perfect sense. And, and, and it's why I left my last practice. <laughs> so when people say no, what they're really saying is, I don't want to be involved in that. <laughs> Where <laughs> I yeah. don't understand it, or we don't sell that pump here, or whatever it ends up not sell, but we don't back that pump here. We don't, we, we have no, you know, experience with iPort, for example. Like, mm-hmm. who would care? It's a port to like inject through. Well, how much experience would you? I almost cursed Vicky. How much experience? <laughs> how much experience would you need with it to figure it out? Like, could a YouTube video not do the same thing for me? You, you know, like, yeah. yeah, like that's really some chicken shit stuff to say, I don't have experience with iPort. Exactly. Yeah. And how hard would it be? Yeah. So it was not the answer I wanted. And I, my ex wanted to give them like, I think we gave them like two more appointments and I was like, I'm done. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not only that, but two more appointments is six more months. Exactly. Right. It's not like you can email them a day later and go, Hey, you sure about what you said about the iPort? I'm going to give you another chance to change here. I'll tell you, I sometimes send, uh, like I can send Arden's C, um, CDE or, or endo uh, an email that says, Hey, I want to try Fiasp. Send me a prescription. And they just go, what pharmacy? Oh, that's amazing. It's that easy. And so, but I've built a rapport with them. And for those of you listening, you're like, Oh yeah, well you're the guy from the podcast. I don't think they know me <laughs> as the guy from the podcast. Really? No, I don't think so. Like I, they're aware of it, but I don't know that. I don't know that they're aware of the scope of it. Like okay. I might just seem like a nice guy with a podcast. Do you know what I mean? And so, which <laughs> yeah. is fine. I'm not looking for them to think of me any differently. I'm saying that I've proven to them enough times that the things I've said or asked or desired to do have made sense to them and and borne fruit. So they're like, oh, mm-hmm. he's usually right about this stuff. Like, what do we care? Um, let him have it. Even when we're dealing with Arden's like thyroid stuff or something, uh-huh. I'll, I'll send an email and I'll be like, I think we need to do a blood test for this. And they'll be like, okay. And that's it. Like Arden got an iron infusion yesterday that I'm telling you that if I would have waited for doctors, she never would have gotten. Like I got her cool. that iron infusion. And well, good for you for advocating. That's that's really important. It it and it's a need to you need to do it because mm-hmm. it, it just it, no one's going to think outside of the box. Like those of you who are like, oh my god, my endo's amazing. They have diabetes and they know everything. And they told me about the podcast. Like that is not most people in not the, at all. in this no. situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you have to, and everybody can't just change their endo. Is the other thing. You know what I mean? Some right. People, Sometimes you only have one choice. And- right. Just gotta, you gotta go, you gotta, you, at some point you have to see, see, look, this is your, you have this job and you're agreeing with me. So this is good. <laughs> um, sometimes you need to, the way I think of it is sometimes you need to look at your doctor and go, oh, that's the nice person with the prescription pad. And they give me the stuff I need and 
I do a little smiling and waving while I'm there, and then I go figure uh-huh. things out for myself. So I, I, I guess so there's a lot of value in you being on and I appreciate it very much. And I, I guess what I'm trying to get across to people is that there are different, I hate to just be so blunt about it, but there are different levels of patience as far as understanding and ability goes. And there are different levels mm-hmm. of doctors as far as understanding and ability and desire goes, I guess desire fits on both sides as well. Right. Right. You need to know who you are and you need to know who you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you need to adjust and get what you need. That's how I think of it. Um, I don't know how I would think of it if I didn't understand this stuff as well, or if Mm -hmm. I would just be in there and feeling lost and just hoping to God that somebody was going to help me or tell me to do the thing I needed them to tell me. But that is not how the world works, whether it's medicine or something else, honestly. So at some point you have to be, what's the word I want? (sighs) I think at some point you have to be pragmatic about how things really are versus how you wish they were. Right. You know okay. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Okay. So what are some, can you give me any helpful tips for people listening? Like how can they deal like with an endo that's not on board, but they can't switch. Is there mm-hmm. ways to switch? Um, you just gotta keep asking and reframing it. I mean, it always helps to be polite and, you know, come with evidence. And, um, ultimately I did have the flexibility where I could switch. Um, I did give them several chances, but, um, you just got to keep trying, I guess. Yeah. You can't give up. Um, my no new boss answer. says no, just means not today. <laughs> <laughs> just keep asking. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, I have to admit, I've never once been told no about anything and thought, well, that means the, I guess that's over. <laughs> I'm always just, I'm always like, <laughs> and that's the attitude you have to have, especially yeah. in this world of diabetes. You can't, um, yeah, you have to be very flexible. <laughs> Did you ever see that terrible movie called Fred Claus with my God, Vince, Vaughn? Vince Vaughn, right? And now for all of you listening, bad, right? for everyone listening who's always been like, I thought Scott sounded like somebody. And they're like, it's Vince Vaughn. I hear that a lot. So you didn't, you're not the first person to, to think that. <laughs> but um, so there's this part in the movie where his girlfriend has broken up with him and she's hanging out a window and she's like, we're done. He's like, I'm not done. <laughs> and I, I, it's the the idea of it always made me giggle. Like the idea of like, I, I'm not done. Uh, I'm, I still want to try. Like, and she's like, I don't want to try. And he's like, I do. And <laughs> Like, I know it's not a perfect apples to apples when you're talking about personal relationships. When women yeah. tell you no, it's it's no. But I'm saying when, you're, <laughs> when your endo tells you no, it's mm, how can I get around this? Yeah. How yeah. can we reframe it, come back to it? Um, because, I mean. Because there's no reason why. I think ultimately why. they do want to help patients. Um, and if you can kind of pry a little bit more and find out, oh, they just don't feel like learning then where they don't want to be on the hook you can subtly exposed <laughs> how much of it is that they don't want to be on the hook if something goes wrong oh well there's a liability factor as well that's mm-hmm. true okay so if you want to switch insulins or anything like that because it really doesn't matter like you could give me every kind of insulin and i could i could figure out how to use it like it's not a big deal like that, that mm-hmm. that's not a big deal if you want to change meters or pumps or stuff like that there's nothing that your doctor should know or not know that would stop you like if you don't like omnipod and you want to get something else and your doctor's like no no you know stay with the omnipod you should be like no 
I don't want to. I'm trying to switch or vice versa or whatever. I wanna, me, yeah. Or I want to try an, an algorithm. You don't. They don't get just to tell you no. Like, I don't know how else to frame it for people. They're not your parents and you're not right. five. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're paying mm-hmm. them and um, you want an insulin pump. Get an insulin pump. It, you know, if you want to change insulin, I have people tell me all the time, my doctor said that wasn't a good idea. And I was like, your A1C is eight and a half. Your doctor doesn't know what a good di- idea around diabetes is, <laughs> or your A1C wouldn't be eight and a half. Like, if, if you could trust them, you wouldn't be talking to me. I'm a stranger with no medical degree. Like, imagine, like, how poorly things are going that you have sought me out. It's sometimes how I feel about it. You know, like, <laughs> no one should make it to me, but yet so many oh, people do. Yeah. Right. Thankful. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. That's You're very kind. That was nice. Thank you. Let's just let that soak in for a second. You said thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, I, I just think that it's important for people to know. It's it's good to hear that a person like you, who's already the parent of a child with type 1 diabetes, still works for somebody who has guidelines. And there are certain things you can and can't say. And that you're going to run into doctors who are going to say no to things for reasons that have that are not based in any reality whatsoever. Just we don't do that here. Um and, you know, I always try to joke through it on the show and say that, you know, usually, you know, the insulin your your practice uses has a lot to do with how pretty the sales girl is for the insulin company your practice uses. <laughs> you know. I'm finding that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's not me trying to be funny. That's, you know, the the most, you know, the, the unfortunate the ha- truth. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if Fias sends in a guy who's like 6'4 and has steel blue eyes and looks like he just lifts things all day long. <laughs> your doctor might be like, you know, a really handsome man told me to try Fiasp and uh, here it is. Give it a whirl. Uh, it's it's not that far off from how people like it's not it, and it's not like dirty. It's not um, it's not it's not unseemly. It's just how people's minds work. Yeah. Y- you you know associate I mean? it with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Somebody pleasing to look at wanders in and tries to say to me, hey, I, I try this meter. You're like, oh, all right, well. Okay, I'll try it. Like you know, and and if somebody you don't jive with says something that's really makes a ton of sense, you might ignore it. You know what I mean? Like, you, right? It's just my favorite reviews. How the of, world works. Yeah, my favorite reviews of the shows are from people who are like, "I hate that guy, but that podcast is so good." Like, I love that because that means that the content's so good that they're little, they're literally willing to overlook the. They're fact willing that to put they, up with your personality. They don't like me. I'm like that's, but to me, that's a great. That's a great review. That's the content yeah. of this podcast is so good. I'm going to listen to it, even though I don't particularly like the guy. And that's amazing. Like, and so, but I'm just saying most of the times people don't have the ability to do that. If you know. Right. You know, it's not typically how things work. Right. It's just like, you have to be a little realistic about how the world works. So mm-hmm. be persistent. Knows not no. Knows, knows just means not today. That's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, be kind, be patient. If if that's your only option, then you just got to keep working it. But yelling and screaming and it, it's not going to end well. It makes <laughs> it makes you wonder why, like Jenny works at a place, right, that's very progressive. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You, I wonder why more doctor's offices don't take that tactic. It's because they can't control the patients, who the patients are. It's got right. Be. I mean, they're not home with them and they, Yeah. They're just trying to be air on the side of caution for everybody. And so that just means that they're a whole lot more conservative. They will over basil everybody. And um, anyway, so, so it's mass market. 
it's mass market. Yes. It's the, yes. I'm they sh- they want to. Go ahead. I don't, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> Sorry. Well, let me, let me see if what I'm thinking is right then. There are so many different kinds of people and so little time to speak with them and interact with them that we are just going to give them enough information that they're not going to drop dead today. I think, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's what they're trying to do. What's best for the most amount of people. And that's what I tried to have my type twos understand is this is supposed to work for your average day. But if you're you know, not feeling well, or it's raining and you're just sitting on the couch, or if you're running a marathon today, it's not going to, you're not going to get the same results. So, um, your doctor can only treat your average day. So, um, Hmm. that's what they're doing is trying to figure out what's going to be safest for the most amount of people. Knowing full well that that could mean that you might have a Thursday and a Friday where your blood sugar is in the 400s, you can't get out of bed and you're knocked over. And that's just the cost of doing business because I don't feel like we can do a better job and help as many people at the same time. Unfortunately. But if that person, um, I don't know, every situation is different, but I mean, we do encourage everyone to report those sorts of things. And so then hopefully they are paired with somebody that can talk to them and find more information and Mm -hmm. find out what led to that. And you know, um, you just said that and everybody listening is like, yeah, I tried that once. They called me back seven yeah. days later. <laughs> you, By the way, you who were told come back in December when your kid was diagnosed yes. or come back in December <laughs> when you were diagnosed in September. You're like, yeah, yeah. I, so is there is there a sentence that gets you out of it? Like, is there like like in Arden's 504 plan, right? There's all these uh-huh. like, you know, rules from the doctor's office. And then at the bottom of it, there's one sentence that says that the parents can override the 504 plan whenever they want. Yeah, I think it. Um, we have like this medical management plan. I have to look more closely at it. All the nurses have been really um, helpful and um, flexible with me. And they'll all call me before they do anything. Um, they don't like follow it to the letter or anything because every day is different. And so honestly, if we have the time for a conversation, we're going to have a conversation and um, think about, because they keep changing when PE is and changing when recess is. And what if they danced in music class and like every day is different. And they're Um, willing to stay flexible with you. Yes. So so my point is, is that that sentence, you know, um, the parents can override anything in this order that Mm -hmm. gives the nurse the freedom to think Call outside me. the block, the outside of the box with me, right? Um, yes. Even though I haven't spoken to a school nurse, I quite <laughs> literally since the end of second grade. So I'm just using it as an example. But I'm saying as a as an educator, as an endo, isn't there a sentence that you could give people permission to think outside of the box instead of trapping them in the idea of I followed the rules and it didn't work. That's just diabetes. I have to sit here and feel crappy. Gosh. Um, there should be, and they should have that in the, uh, in the office note. And then when I read the office note, I can go by that. <laughs> I see. Um, but it's not, um, so there's no, <laughs> there's no simple fix for this then. Oh no. Okay. No, but, and the, because then that could be used to, someone could take it the wrong way and think, oh, that means like, I have all these patients that would hold their insulin. My blood sugar was only, um, 120 this morning. So I just didn't take my basil and 
Yeah. Anyway. So there are people who don't understand it enough and then they get fooled by something and make the wrong decision. Yes. So you yes. Can, it's like, you know, stopping your antibiotics when you feel better. Like they just think, oh, well, today I don't need it. I'm like, well, that's not how it works. <laughs> you know why this conversation is so interesting to me is because it mimics government in my mind. The idea that, you know, it's easy to sit back and look at a figurehead and say, oh, they made the wrong decision again. They made the wrong decision for you. And they might not be trying to make your life perfect or anyone's life perfect. They're just trying to keep everybody alive. Mm-hmm. And then it that really is what we're talking about here is that yeah. when you're overseeing so many people, there's no way to make them all happy or in our case, all healthy or as healthy as they can be. So you're mm-hmm. just going for keep the lights on, keep the water running, keep the heat on, let the food show up at the stores. Some people are going to experience terrible crime. Some people are going to get sick and die. Some people are going to fall through the cracks. That's the nice way of saying it in government, right? Some people fall through but the cracks. But most people. <laughs> but most people will be okay. That's so a pretty that, good analogy, yeah. <laughs> so that's why the podcast is valuable for people who want and have the more, desire better, yeah. for more and better. <laughs> yes. Because yes. it's an ecosystem where that's what's spoken about. I got yeah. it. Okay. This was great. Oh, by the <laughs> way, how do you become a CDE? <laughs> 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 I saw this documentation. Coming. Yeah. So you you do you get the hours and then you thousand take, hours. And then you take and the then, test. Yeah, you apply for the test. You have to be approved to apply for the test. And then you go and take the test. And it was um Oh gosh, how many questions was it? Now I can't remember. I, I think I looked it up, but then my computer just went to sleep on me. Um, but it was one of those um, time tests, and um, it was better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I want somebody. You to get s- your score like right away, even though they they still have to like officially recognize it. So that takes a couple of days, and then they send a search certificate to you a little bit later but um you'll get the score right away wow is it expensive to take the test my company paid for it but it was i want to say 175 so not cheap now so it's certainly not something you want to keep retaking (laughs) somebody got to get me a um stolen copy of that test i want to take it (laughs) (laughs) well they have and in the study materials are so expensive because there's so little few resources i guess yeah like the, the book, they'll tell you, you have this 500 page book you can study from and it's like $250 and I didn't buy the book. I don't need the book. Um, I wouldn't have read it anyway. I know. How I borrowed it. a used manual for some, from somebody. Just, um, and then there's some apps you can use. Those are kind of helpful. I just um, the wanna... ADA guidelines are always important. And so they tweak the test every year because the ADA updates their um, recommendations every year. Okay. Yeah. I just want to take it cold turkey and see how I do on it. That's all. <laughs> well... <laughs> If anybody's got one, send it to me. That's all I'm saying. All right. Well, I mean, it's all computerized. So if they did, they did something wrong. (laughs) Vicky, listen. A lot of people listen. If anybody's got that test, send it to me. Okay. And so uh, (laughs) (laughs) I want to give it a try and see how I do. Uh, But no, but seriously, it's this has been enlightening. You've been really honest. Uh, Are you okay with your name being in this? Are you sure? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't give you my last name, right? (laughs) No. (laughs) I was told just to not mention the current company I work for, and otherwise it would be fine. I I, I hope everything I said was... It was very honest, and it was your opinion, and I appreciate it. And 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 here's why I think it's important to say, because people listening need to understand, not that not that doctors aren't on their side 
right? And I don't Mm -hmm. want it to come off that way or that your endo doesn't care about you, but that there is a bigger game at play here. And this is overall the best most people can do. And and I'll say it right now too. You're asking, you know, for people who do find endos who are willing to tell them more, you know, more secrets and tricks and stuff like that. That means that endo over time has sniffed you out as a person who's not going to screw up and, right. and hurt yourself. And so they're will, now they're going out on a limb by saying, hey, listen, did you ever think about a temp basil right here? You, you know what I mean? Like that's them uh-huh. going, that's them going out on a limb. And they're not just, they can't protect themselves by saying nothing you hear on the juice box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician. Your doctor can't, you imagine if you walk no, to your no, doctor's no. office? They are the physician, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? The you, stops there, yeah. <laughs> you go to Dr. Smith, and you sit down and you go, hey, how are you? And you go, good, Dr. Smith, how are you? And he goes, well, before we get started, I just want to let you know that nothing I say in this room <laughs> should be considered medical advice. <laughs> now, pre-bolus, damn it, you're killing yourself. Like, you yeah. know, like it just, they don't live in the same world. And it's just, it's too much. And, and you know, you can't, I, I just, I'm trying to figure out how to mass reach people and give them better, a better chance. And that's why this conversation I think has been really valuable. And I think it's very valuable for people listening so that they understand that it's not incompetence. Sometimes it, this is designed and it's, it's yeah. not going to change. So you can sit around and hope and beg and yell at people if you want to. But this is not going to change. And it's not just in diabetes. It's in every form of healthcare. Yeah. So everybody just, you know, stop acting like you're 12 years old and a unicorn is going to fly in with, you know, balloons for you. It's not going to happen. You got to take care of yourself. Yeah. I think they're doing the best they can with what they have. And I mean, most people do ultimately want to help people and improve their outcomes. Um, But you got to help yourself too at some point. You really yeah. well, you got to make sure that you have a job. <laughs> well, no, yeah, I'm, I'm saying there for, to practice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Not you. I mean, the other people, the people coming in, like you've got to help yourself, like thinking about it as a patient, like at some point, if you're not seeing the outcomes or living the right. life that you think is possible, it is not because it's not afforded to you and it's afforded to somebody else is you don't know what to do and you need to find out what to do. And if your doctor's not going to tell you or if anyone's not going to tell you. Go to somebody who will share that stuff with you. Mm-hmm. That's all. Do you have you been through the pro tip episodes? Most of them. Um, I haven't been able to listen in a while, but I, I know it. The um, I used to listen to them on walks when I worked from home for a year. That's when I walked my dog. I would always listen to one. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm going to re-listen to them, and then I want my son to listen. I'm going to try to anyway. I might have to bribe him. But <laughs> a lot, you know what? I'm seeing a lot of people doing that now. And I got to be honest with you. It's all right with me. Yeah, like I, yeah. I don't see a, like I see people are paying their kids to listen to the pro tip episodes. Yeah. What's your currency? What do you want today? I'd, anyway, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Is it Legos? Is it cash? Let's just let's talk turkey here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what will it take? Like, well, I'll tell you, there's going to be um a teenager on. I probably won't record till the summer with him. You might not hear this for anyway. You, mm-hmm. It's going to be a while. But the mom reaches out to me. I have a long conversation with the kid back when I think he's 16 or 17. I feel like I straighten everything. He understands what's going on. Yeah. I just got a text from him yesterday and he said he finally pulled it all together and he was texting to say thank you and all this stuff. And I said, do you want to come on the show and tell people about this? And he said, yes. So you're going to get a Very real, cool. a really good conversation from a kid who 
is thoughtful and caring and loving and work mm-hmm. and worried about himself, but still just kind of couldn't pull it all together. And, you know, and it was hard on him and his parents and everything. Um, and mm-hmm. he's going to talk about what, what finally, you know, made it peak for him and, and got him over the hump. But it's oh, just, that sounds great. Yeah. It's <laughs> I just, look forward to that. It's very cool. Um, it really is. And I genuinely appreciate you doing this, uh, taking the time out. Um, oh, it's been my pleasure. <laughs> seriously? You were, you had a good time? I did. It was less scary than I thought it was going to be. Are you nervous? I'm okay now. You're okay now. How long did it take you? Yeah. I usually think it's about uh, 15 minutes. Yeah, probably. Right in there. I can feel people changing around 20 minutes. So <laughs> Loosen it up. Just so you know that around that same time, a voice in my head says, I'll bleep this out, Vicky, okay? So <laughs> um, I start the episode and I pick through and I get enough information. And I think, okay, these are the things I'm going to get through over the next hour. And then I can uh-huh. hear a voice in my head say, don't fuck this up. Make this good. And then I feel an incredible <laughs> amount of pressure to put a good, a good show together off the top of my head because I don't have any notes about you here. I uh-huh. just, I just, when we started, I was like, oh, this is Vicky. She became a CD. She was going to talk to me about how to become a CDE. And I was like, that's cool. And then that's how we started. So then I feel this immense pressure not to like waste your time or waste the people's time who are listening or anything like that. I might be more nervous than you are. Really? But for you did a great job coming up with questions because I was like, did he send me something initially that I forgot or lost or what? No, yeah. there's no prep. It's all whatever falls out of my head. That's all. Well, that's awesome. You have a gift. Well, every once in a while it goes wrong. Just so you know. <laughs> well, not today. <laughs> when you hear me like really shucking and jiving and talking fast, I've lost the thread. <laughs> and I'm just trying to be entertaining at that point, uh, whether I fail or not. I'm not certain. Well, a huge thanks to Vicky for coming on the show and sharing everything that she shared with us, which was a lot, as you can tell, because you heard it. Thanks also to the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. Please head over to contournext.com forward slash juice box, and you can learn more about Touched by Type 1 by finding them on Instagram, Facebook, or at touchedbytype1.org. Remember, if you're in the Orlando area and you want to see a shindig, an extravaganza, a dance party right there in front of you on stage. Go get some tickets. Touch by type1.org. Hit the programs tab. You're almost done. If you're enjoying the juice box podcast, please do two things. First thing, tell someone else about the juice box podcast. That's simple. I mean, I mean, it'd be nice if you open up their app and showed them how to listen to a podcast too, if they need help, because some people don't understand podcasts, but just telling them big deal for me. And I appreciate it. Second thing, go where you're listening and leave a beautiful five-star rating and review, right? A beautiful rating. Like if they say your app allows three stars, then get all three stars. If there's uh, five stars, you get all five of them. And then after you do that, you say something really thoughtful about the podcast that will help someone else decide to listen. That's pretty much it. The show grows because you tell people about it. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.